This episode is supported by FX's Clipped, the scandalous story of the 2014 Clippers owner's racist remarks captured on tape and heard around the world. The series charts the tape's impact on a dysfunctional basketball organization striving to win against their reputation as the most cursed team in the league. Starring Lawrence Fishburne, Jackie Weaver, Cleopatra Coleman, and Ed O'Neill. FX's Clipped, streaming June 4th, only on Hulu. I'm Emily Campagno, and this is the Fox True Crime Podcast. Years after the arrest of Dennis Rader, the infamous BTK serial killer, a new investigation could link him to a cold case dating back almost 50 years. In 1976, 16-year-old Cynthia Kinney, who went by Cindy, disappeared from the laundromat at which she worked in Pawhuska, Oklahoma. Now, Osage County Sheriff Eddie Verdon is exploring possible connections revealed in Raiders' writings and sketches, which the sheriff believes makes BTK the prime suspect in the case. In a diary entry entitled Bad Wash Day, BTK fantasized about stalking and killing a girl from a laundromat. After Cindy Kinney disappeared, the Osage County Sheriff's Office received an anonymous call detailing where her remains could be found. But the lead was never investigated. Osage County District Attorney Mike Fisher has disputed Sheriff Ferdin's claims that BTK is linked to the cold case, stating that an unnamed deceased suspect is better connected to Cindy's disappearance. On Tuesday, Sheriff Ferdin announced the formation of a BTK task force, which will further investigate Raiders' potential involvement in the Cindy Kinney case, as well as additional missing and murdered persons. Fox 23 anchor Rick Moranin has been closely following the feud between the Osage County Sheriff and the District Attorney. He joins me now to bring the latest news out of this investigation that has been hampered by local politics. Eddie Verdon, I did the first story that Eddie Verdon was looking into BTK back in February, but Eddie Verdon never reached out to me to do that. Instead, what happened was Eddie Verdon went to visit BTK in January. And let's just be clear, this is Sheriff Eddie Verdon. Yes. Yes, of Osage County. Yep. He went to visit Dennis Rader in Kansas, and they had a chat for over three hours. From what the sheriff told me, nobody mentioned the name Cynthia or Cindy Dawn Kinney at all. Instead, it was just, hey, I need to trace your steps back in Oklahoma. Where were you? And he, uh, if you believe the sheriff, said he was in Pawhuska at a bank in 1976. And that bank sits across the street from the laundromat Cindy Kinney was working for her family at. After that interview, Dennis Rader himself contacted a reporter he has a relationship with at TMZ. And TMZ published that Rader said he was questioned about Cindy Dawn Kinney. And that is when I went to Sheriff Verdon and he said, I am looking into BTK as a possibility. Verdon never came to local media. He had apparently been doing legwork for a very long time. So the out 
allegation that came out Monday by the district attorney that the sheriff came out, here's what I've got, and was showing this off, isn't exactly true. And what has happened is between February and last August, we didn't hear a word media-wise. We assumed they were doing more, you know, maybe this was a side project or something like that. We didn't hear a thing. We had no idea there was a multi-state law enforcement meeting sometime either late June, early July. We only found out they were doing anything more with BTK when they showed up at the former site of his Kansas home and started digging. And everyone started calling us and Wichita TV saying they're digging at Dennis Rader's house. The day after that, he gets back and he said, I will talk to you about what was found. And that is when the pantyhose came out that they found there. He was telling us, well, we probably would have found more because some of the things that Dennis Rader wrote about in his journal entries aren't there anymore, but the city dug a sidewalk. And then it was there while he was showing us the pantyhose that he announced he is 100% the prime suspect, not under arrest, but just a suspect because according to the sheriff, he's seen things and he knows things. So we had that, then we started, then we had a few weeks where there was a lull and then they went on cable television and national media outlets and released these pictures of these girls bound in a farm somewhere in a farm and they released it to the public said look at this and that's how we got to this week was apparently the kenny family if you believe mike fisher reached out and said we are sick to our stomachs we can't sleep we don't have peace we technically never had peace and mike fisher held the news conference that's played out this week what my interpretation after talking to both gentlemen for two days, there is a lot of unfortunate politics at play right now. And this all goes back to when Mike Fisher first took office a few years ago. And I will tell you what Eddie Verdon is saying is true. Mike Fisher's intentions are pure. And that doesn't bode well for what has been put out there as far as the narrative, but that is my interpretation of what is happening. So does Eddie Verdon have enough evidence to where he continues to look into BTK? Yes. Does Mike Fisher have, does Mike Fisher want a winnable case? Absolutely. If you are going to go big, you need to go big or go home. And he is worried that the way the case is being handled, he may not have enough to convict. Now go back in time a few years and you realize that when Mike Fisher first took office, there were three cold cases that Eddie Verdon had apparently solved. And right before Mike Fisher took office, his predecessor filed charges on those cold cases. Mike Fisher came in, looked at those cases and said, I don't have enough to convict. So Tuesday... You have Eddie Verdon saying, Mike Fisher does not prosecute cold cases. He let three killers go free already. And so that is where all of the politics comes in. And, and, you, and, and Mike Fisher has endorsed Eddie Verdon's opponent within days of him announcing 
there there is there's a nasty race for sheriffs going on but i i will say and i said this on on the local news here tuesday night I, on tuesday alone you've got one guy talking about how joe biden's treating donald trump and airing his grievances and then you've got another guy talking about who's a good republican and who campaigned for ronald reagan reporters myself and others were like what about the girl and I'm sorry if I have a tone in my voice, but this is how frustrating this has been. Who cares what is going on between you gentlemen? What about the girl who died almost 50 years ago? She is in the ground somewhere. Her parents may die without answers. And we're sitting here talking about a race for sheriff. And so that is where the politics is here. And so we are having to dig through what pertains to the case, what politics are at play, and who is legit here? And so it has gotten unfortunately messy. But like I, like I said, from covering this, what Eddie Verdon is saying is true. But Mike Fisher's intentions of wanting a tr a trial that doesn't have error are pure. And so there is a fine line we need to walk when looking at this case. Will you please share about? the evidence that the sheriff released, the drawings, the implorings he made to the public for people to try to identify the barn and, and weigh in, provide any knowledge that they may have overlooked, um, and address the fact that that lead, the barn, the, the anonymous caller that was never followed up on all those years ago. Because there's an element of you know, underneath oh, sure. the nasty politics is the evidentiary pursuit and the investigation that is ongoing. There is real proof. So this this all kicked into high gear, I want to say, an unknown time in 2022. They were reorganizing some closets and things and discovered a box in the sheriff's office in Pawhuska that apparently had evidence that previous investigators who are no longer with the agency, may no longer even be with us on this earth, did not bother to look into. And they opened this box and there were things pertaining to the Kinney case that were tying in, because keep in mind, Eddie Verdon's been working on this probably for two decades. When he was with the sheriff's office, before he was sheriff, when he was with another agency, and he's tying these two together and He's looking at all this evidence and he's shown he's shown reporters this off the record. We haven't been able to broadcast this, but there between the box, the unanswered phone call of she's in a she can be found in a barn somewhere along the state line, which was never acted on. You know, it was just like they called it in and said, OK, thank you. And then nobody acted on it. They are trying to pick up where they left off and with what Raider has written himself. And when you look at some of these pictures, there are girls who are bound and gagged in what appears to be a barn. And from what I remember from some of the pictures, there's some of them are sitting or standing on haystacks and there are drawings of barns. And so they believe, and they even told us the, the picture that isn't colorized, it almost looks like a sketch of a girl standing. We have been told right now they are leaning that that is Cindy Kinney in a barn 
in the last days of her life. And so between that and Raider's journal, which has a segment titled Bad Wash Day, where he talks about how he would watch a girl in a laundromat and how he would abduct her when no one was looking, there, there are similarities. It's not a dead ringer, but there's a lot of stuff to give you pause and go, okay, some questions should be asked. And I'll, I'll tell you, and, and I know this is a podcast, so it's all audio, but if you, if you look up these pictures, they are disturbing. And there is a question as to, is he drawing this from memory or did he sketch these girls before he killed them as part of his torture? And there is at least the belief that at least one of these drawings was drawn while she was in in that barn. Now, whether that was Cindy Kinney or some other girl, we, we know another girl has been identified. They have not released her identity. So at least one of these pictures was drawn in real life. And that girl may not be accounted for. Now, I saw the pantyhose that they dug out of the ground from Raiders home it was underneath the sidewalk and apparently they they went they found some maps in his journal and it led to where he keeps what he calls trophies now keep in mind the city i believe it's park city is the name of the town the city that raider's former home was in they dug into the ground slightly to set a sidewalk in place and the sheriff told me he was disappointed they didn't find a driver's license that could belong to Cindy Kinney. He was expecting to find some kind of photo ID that he may have kept. And what happened, what, what, what is the most likely explanation for why they found some of the trophies Raider wrote about, but they didn't find others, is because somebody built a sidewalk and they had no idea what they were digging into. That driver's license could have very well been there. That driver's license, had had they have dug in 2019 instead of in 2020 before the sidewalk was built, that's how close they came. Is is This only happened in 2020. If they had dug where that sidewalk is now in 2019, who knows what they would have found. But they found pantyhose, and there apparently is in Raiders' writings pantyhose was going to be there. So they're on to something. Is that Cindy Kinney's fate or somebody else's? Who knows at this point? We're going to take a quick break. More from our guest after this. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. The way you describe the evidence, the drawings, the journal, the anonymous tip that went unheeded, the barn, et cetera, I mean, it, you know, it seems like such a slam dunk. Um, and yet, to your point earlier, uh, the district attorney has said, it seems to me that we're not taking evidence and then going where that evidence leads us. 
We're taking a suspect and then going back and trying to find evidence. Can you speak to that discrepancy in the points of view toward these discoveries? From talking to the district attorney, I I will be, and I'm, I'm a journalist, I'm not supposed to take sides, but sitting in the Pawnee County Courthouse, because we could get into the politics of who has jurisdiction over the courthouse and why it happened, why that news conference happened in another county. I felt going into Monday's news conference that that was premature because Eddie Verdon did not announce that he was ready to arrest Raider. At the same time, this other second suspect who is now dead, that had been the go-to guy for a long time as to, yeah, we can't do anything, he's dead. If we come across any evidence as to where her body may be, then that's that. Now, I will say, sources have told us this guy who, this second suspect, he was already in prison for murder and a lot of other people. So you've got two serial killers, and and we're and, and it sounds like they're trying to figure out which one. Um, but as for starting with the suspect and and then going to the evidence, I don't know what Eddie Verdon has discovered over almost 20 years of working on this case. But I assume he had more than just a feeling to go up to Raider. It didn't sound like it started with Raider. Um, it, it sounded like he had enough to go, because keep in mind, Raider himself, if you believe what the sheriff is saying, we don't have, we, we apparently will be getting recordings coming out of the jail to prove that Raider had been cooperative, uh, with Verdon. Raider himself said, I've been in Northeast Oklahoma. I was hiding out when there was a sketch drawing going around the Wichita Metro he said he he told Verdon he worked at a bank. And then BTK was a census taker who went door to door in Oklahoma. And so we know he was here. My own station brands this BTK in OK because the evidence points to he spent some time here. That doesn't say, you know, he killed anybody, but it's at least a possibility. So I, I don't think he went up there. I don't think he saw something on Netflix, got an itch and went up to Kansas. I think he had far more than that. But I will say, just like I said about Mike Fisher's intentions of wanting a case that is that is doable, pure, I've gone to a lot of I've I've been in Tulsa News when you count my time, newspaper and TV almost eleven to twelve years, been in the business fourteen. I have only had evidence presented to me like the pantyhose was presented at major news conferences where, where they are like, this is the gun or something like that. I was not expecting to see pantyhose. And I was just like, I looked at my photographer and I said, this is different. I, I'm, I'm kind of shocked we're seeing this. So do, do I understand the district attorney's concerns about the way things have gone and whatnot? Yes. I, I get it. And minus the politics, I get it. But at the same time, I have no law enforcement training. Um, you know, I why not go and ask the man himself? He's rotting in jail. According to his daughter, he sits in a wheelchair. He has no teeth. He is not the BTK that we run on TV with our file video. He's an old man. 
he could pass away any moment now. So it's it's kind of like times of the essence. Why wouldn't you? And if he's going to talk, then let him talk. So I don't want to critique how the investigation may, may or may not be going because I, I don't have expertise in that. Um, but if this man's writings and his drawings and things that this is what he wrote down, you're not going to... You're not going to get firm answers unless you go to the source. Final question, Rick. You know, the, the standard of evidence required to arrest someone is lower than the standard of evidence required or the, the standard we use, I should say, um, of evidence required to convict someone. And so oftentimes there is that tension between sheriffs and law enforcement and prosecutors who we see in our towns because our tax dollars pay the salaries of all of these people. And we see that law enforcement sometimes going back and forth, back and forth, you know, consistently back to the prosecutor say, is this enough? Is this enough? Nope. I need more. I need more. And it's supposed to be a challenging, but symbiotic relationship that we trust in that both are pursuing justice. And, and there's a checks and balances baked into that system where it affords protection of citizens and innocent citizens, and it affords the protection of the system, which is that we require a certain amount of evidence, a certain amount of surety before we bring it before the people and then let the people decide. So against that landscape, can you share the community tenor who has centered Cindy Kinney all these years, who care, as you put it in the beginning, who care about her first and foremost, what does the community feel about the existing tension between the sheriff and the DA in this county, um, and and where do their feelings lay? I think the community is disturbed that two of the good guys who should be working together are not. And then on Tuesday, you had the neighboring sheriff of Pawnee County also come out and say, this man refuses to prosecute our cases. There are two good guys who are having a Wild West standoff, and I said openly in these news conferences, I said, if I, I live in neighboring Tulsa County. I said, if I lived in Osage County, right now, I would be praying to God that if I was murdered, it would be none of you on these cases. Because you have a sheriff who's going to investigate, and you have a district attorney who doubts the work of the sheriff um, I don't think I would get justice. I don't think I would get a conviction. These are two of the good guys going at it over a tiff from a DA's race years ago. I just, there were times in this meeting where in, in both press conferences where I looked over at the reporters from other Tulsa stations, Wichita and Oklahoma City for two days in a row. And we were like, what is going on here? Is this is this investigation for a minute? We're like, is this even legitimate? Because when we started covering BTK with Verdon, there were people who support Verdon's opponents who were like, you know, you're giving him free TV time. And there have even been people. Well, when are you going to ask his opponent about, you know, when, when are you going to ask his opponent about his feelings on BTK? And I'm like, his opponent doesn't even work for the sheriff's office. His opponent, I believe, is a is, is a is a livestock crime investigator. I'm like, I he the only thing he would have to say is add his opinion in. And this is, as far as we can tell, a legitimate crime story, so not a political story. So it's not like I have to get, 
you know, a Democrat and a Republican. And that's a side note. These are all Republicans fighting with each other. It's not like I have to get the Democrat and the Republican. I'm sitting here talking to a sheriff who's trying to find a missing person. Would, would I go to in any other county and say, OK, sheriff, well, thank you for your information. But uh, based off of the next election or the past election, I think I need to back it up with a different opinion. No, you wouldn't do that on a crime story. So I, I am very concerned for the dysfunctioning of law enforcement. Now, I, I, I will say OSBI, who the district attorney wants to investigate this, apparently was offered to come in and investigate this this summer, and they were not interested. They were shown the evidence with a few others, and they they just walked out and said, well, that was a nice story time. Now they're getting involved at the request of the district attorney. And the so thankfully, there are other resources out there when it comes to whether it's the Kinney case or something else. You can, I think Verdon wants a different prosecutor. Fisher wants a different investigator. There are state resources and things in place that if this does come down to Raider, I don't think they will use Verdon's initial investigation. I think they will use the OSBI what their findings, and I think someone from the attorney general's office will take over the prosecution. But it is very disturbing that people who you would think are the good guys are fighting each other right now. And I don't know if we are going to hear much about any kind of progress in this case for a few months, because Verdon was with BTK when Fisher was giving his news conference and Verdon says, and he's going to release the audio soon, that BTK was like, I guess I'm off the hook. No matter what you find, your DA is not going to prosecute me. Because if you, if from what I've been told about Dennis Rader's cell, it's, it's, a, it, it's an island in the sun, essentially. And that is part of why I think he's going to play games with media and law enforcement. Because when BTK committed his crimes in Kansas, there was no death penalty. If he did kill either Shauna Garber in Missouri or or Cindy Kinney in Oklahoma in these time frames, there was a death penalty. The Island in the Sun Club Med prison cell is going to come to an end and he's going to wind up on death row. And I think that is what is keeping him from, I don't, I think regardless of an immunity deal, I think that's what's keeping him from saying, yeah, you got me. Because he bragged. He bragged about his previous killings to media. Now, now we're getting letters saying things like, I didn't do it. I flat out didn't do it. His new attorney says he didn't do it. But if Carrie Rawson, BTK's daughter, says she's interested, then there, then there, if there's smoke, there, there may be a fire. And so I, I think we're in a waiting period of, how much damage, if there was damage done by Monday's news conference, how much damage did that do to the investigation? Where was the investigation really at? And I think we're just going to have to watch this play out for a while because I don't think either side is going to say anything after the past two days. And, and we're, we're in a holding pattern right now. Rick, thank you so much for your journalism, for your dedication to covering this 
atrocious story, frankly, on multiple levels um, with such objectivity. And we look forward to hearing of developments from you, hopefully in the near future and hopefully developments that progress us toward justice, which means closure for the Kinney family and justice for the murder of Cynthia Kinney, who is at the center of this. And I think that's been lost, unfortunately, in the politics, but obviously not lost on you and your community. So thank you again so much for all you've done and for joining us today on the Fox True Crime Podcast. To hear more stories like this, you can listen to our past episodes on the Fox True Crime Podcast. Go to foxnewspodcast.com or wherever you download podcasts to listen and subscribe. Listen ad-free with a Fox News Podcast Plus subscription on Apple Podcasts, and Amazon Prime members can listen to the show ad-free on the Amazon Music app. If you have a story or topic you want to hear on the show, we'd love to hear from you. Send us an email at truecrimepodcast at fox.com. The Will Kane Show is now dropping five episodes a week. Join Fox and Friends weekend host Will Kane as he tackles the latest headlines from his unique perspective, along with thought-provoking interviews with leading figures and live calls from viewers and listeners. Listen wherever you download your favorite podcasts.